Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Networks in the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. Boom! We are back. Yes, Raymond, we are late, but we are here. We we got royalty <laughs> with us today, and sometimes, you know, things take a little bit time. You got to get stuff set up, but here we are. We're back. Another episode of Climbing the Pocket in the Huddle. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Brown Jason, And he is back. The man, the myth, the legend. My good friend. Not friend of Vikings Twitter, but my good friend. The good doctor. Eric, how you doing? How you been? Uh, I think this is the third Vikings podcast I've been on in the last 36 hours. I'm excited to talk about the team. Um, I'm excited to preview the NFL. Um, I've li- been a little bit under the weather for the last 24 hours, but I think that's just in preparation for uh, how much fun it's going to be to uh, watch NFL football, uh, real football for the first time in a long time. Hey, love thanks, it. Ray. I love it. <laughs> Next up, my man, wide receiver one with the fresh cut. How we doing, Miles? What up? What up? I've had this for a little while, you know, got, got started a new job, you know, you gotta, gotta get a new cut, you know, uh, there you but, go. uh no, <laughs> things, things, are, <laughs> things, things are good. Uh, just tired. That's it. You know, nothing new there. I mean, what, it's like, you got some kids at home or something. What's going on? Why are you so tired, man? I mean, something like that, you know, you gotta, uh, I got a premature daughter who, whose esophagus doesn't want to develop fast enough. So she, she doesn't like to sleep well. So, you know, we got to take shifts and it's my, I get to sleep first tonight and then I got to wake up in the middle of the night. And so uh, let's hurry this up so I can go to bed. <laughs> All right, there we go. Well, the the man has spoken and uh, the most wholesome man on Vikings Twitter with the playoff beard still going strong. Nick, how we doing? <laughs> now I can't shave it, I guess, if it's a playoff beard. We're, that's what we're deeming it. <laughs> good, man. Had a good Labor Day weekend. <laughs> Doing my fantasy drafts, getting into it, you know, season's like right, like it's like it's here. It's 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 Thursday, so it's it creeps up on you. So I'm excited. There we go. Well, Nick, obviously we're here to talk Vikings, and it's been a little while since we had you on, and you were uh, you were giving us a couple of different scenarios for the Vikings season today with your tweets. You were giving us the upside, the downside, but you know, let's start off with some positivity. What are you when you're looking at this Viking season? Like, what what are the things that have you super excited and feeling like maybe this could be a season for the Vikings to uh, to shock the world and uh, you know make a run, do something in these playoffs? Yeah, I'm really excited to see Justin Jefferson again. I mean, last year when they were kind of in a skid, it was still really fun to watch the Vikings just because of Justin Jefferson, um, his route his route running, his his deep ball ability, um, his ability to make plays after the catch. Uh, just a really complete receiver, even as a rookie. Really excited to see what he does in his second year. Um, Dalvin Cook, uh, I think one of the most enjoyable runners to watch. I don't know if he's the best runner. He's certainly in that conversation. But just to watch him, watch guys like bounce off of him. I'm really excited to see him again. Adam Thielen um, gets overshadowed because of first digs and now Justin Jefferson. But a really great route runner, really great at the catch point, really fun to watch. And then I'm excited to see Daniil Hunter back. Uh, last time we saw him, he had 14 and a half sacks, um, finally was really taking the leap from not just a, a, a guy with a lot of potential, but a guy who was putting it all together. Um, seems like he's like maybe our best player coming out of camp. So really excited to see him, you know, and, and the rest of the guy, Harrison Smith, um, see if he can keep it going. Patrick Peterson, see what he looks like, if he's still, if he's going to bounce back or if he's going to tail off. Uh, uh, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, we'll see if Barr's healthy week one. But I think this team has a lot of, um, Pro Bowl caliber talent. We'll see if they play up to it, but I think they've got a lot of good players who can be difference makers in 2021, and either way should be fun to watch if they can all stay healthy. So I'm excited to watch them. Miles, uh, Nick Nick said right there in the end, he kind of he kind of gave us the, the if, the big thing kind of hanging over things, the if they can stay healthy. Coming out of camp, uh, you know, something we've talked about, the Vikings are a bit top-heavy, um, but as you start to come through, and obviously the unofficial depth chart is out, you really start to dig in and look at this Vikings roster. I guess what are your thoughts, especially now that you can start to think about them 
in a matchup against another team? Like, how are you feeling going into the season right now? I like, I mean, the offense in itself should should still roll the way it did last year. Losing Irv Smith's a big deal. Um, I think it's going to be really hard to replace him because I think he was going to be a big part of the offense. But um, overall, the structure and the, and everything that they have in place for the offense shouldn't change. Dalvin Cook's going to see the ball a lot. They'll target Jefferson and Thielen a lot. Um, so I'd expect the offense to roll better than we saw during the preseason at camp. Defensively, I mean, I think to Nick's point, they brought in a lot of uh, talent or potential talent and they with what, what they already have. I think the question I have is there's a lot of new faces. So it it'll, it might take a little while for that to gel in games because he didn't see a lot of them play during the preseason. So um, I think that could t- it, it could take a little bit. And the Bengals are probably a good test just because they're probably lucky the fact that Joe Burrow's coming off an injury. Um, but, you know, they have a high-powered offense, and Joe Mixon and the, the top three receivers they have in, in Chase, Boyd, and um, T. Higgins. So um, that offense is looking – could be pretty good. Their offensive line's a little suspect, but um, so, so is the Vikings. So um, I think the, the Bengals have a worse situation, but um, their weapons in general are, are really good. And so it'll be a good test for the Vikings to see how they stand up um, against a team with, with good with legit pass catching weapons like the Bengals have, and um, it'll be a fun a fun matchup for sure. So I, I agree with Nick. I think um, you know what we talked about it's top heavy, but um, week one, as long as you can kind of get the majority of what you guys have, I think Barr is the only guy that's truly that I don't expect to play or would expect much from in week one. So other than that, everyone else seems to be ready to roll. I'm, I'm excited to see DJ Wanham uh, get a full a chance to be a full time starter. Um, we'll see how many snaps he actually plays and if he could be an impact, but I'm um, excited to see him uh, get a chance because they need some of those uh, those uh, mid-round picks to develop. And he, he's a guy that uh, if he could hit would be a, a big deal. All right, Eric. Miles, is that true, though? Because, because I feel like <laughs> Derrishaw was supposed to be a starter. Obviously, you said bar. Wyatt Davis. We can't blame Dar- We can't blame Darisaw though. That one's like I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming any of these guys. I'm just saying that like when we when we came into August, we thought you know Kirk. Well, well, for one, we thought that like Kirk would be a functioning citizen of the Earth. We also <laughs> thought that Christian Darisaw would be the left tackle. We thought Wyatt Davis would be the right guard. Now it does look like Ole Udo has played well. Um, preseason notwithstanding. And then obviously of Barr, you also have Wanham starting because Stephen Weatherly was trash and was always trash. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> so, and then you also have Cam Dantzler who was supposed to be like, we were supposed to, you know, we were supposed to see depth at the corner position. And now we got something called Chris Boyd who is starting over a guy who was supposed to be the, the gem of the Rick Spielman you know, the second gem of the Rick Spielman 2020 draft. So like, I, I agree that like once you've, once you've sort of like Trump brushed the rainforest out, there is just one player who is injured that won't play on Sunday, but like, it's a little lower than expectation, isn't it? Yes. I mean, <laughs> overall, yes. I, I, I mean, the one thing, the one thing with Darius, I mean, we expected, him to be the starter i would i would say if he was healthy he probably would have been the starter um but you know a setback having an injury and, and those things like those are just unpredictable you can't predict those things so um that one kind of gets a pass for me in that way um every, everything else i think you're spot on like cameron dancer is supposed to be i, I was told before camp started we i saw people put out a list of like if you had to if you had to protect three players for the minnesota vikings if there was an expansion draft or what have you, and you could only protect three players or four or whatever the number was, Cam Dancer was was like up there for a lot of people. They were coming at me telling me I should be including Cam Dancer, and I said I needed to wait to see on that one. And well, he he comes out of camp as the bottom of the on the bottom of the depth chart and didn't look good in preseason. Didn't look good in the in camp. So to your point, it's it's really difficult to to get excited about some of that stuff when. The Vikings had to bring in guys like a Patrick Peterson, a Bashad Breland, a Mackenzie Alexander, um, an Everson Griffin back. They had to bring in those guys because the younger guys weren't playing up to snuff. And that's part of the – you could say it's part of the problem, but at the same time, your hope is 
those guys can, guys can still develop behind these these veterans in some capacity. Because like a Cameron Dancer in a perfect world wouldn't have been – he wouldn't have played as many snaps as he did last year. Um, yeah. Mike Zimmer probably would have preferred that too. I mean, that's usually how he's been molding his cornerbacks, his, his young cornerbacks that he drafts. They usually sit and they, they play some snaps, but they have veterans in front of them. Well, the Vikings didn't get that uh, – for some odd, weird reason, they chose to just go with the an all young unit last year, and I'm sure that had Zim up up at night um, every week. So um, I think they're reverting themselves back, which has kind of been part of my issue with the Vikings under Zim is they're always overcorrecting themselves. So they're just making up for what they didn't do right last year. But in my opinion, they're not doing enough to forward think into this year and beyond. But that's another conversation. But that that that's a, exactly I think. And I agree, like, none of these things are fireable, right? Like, no. you know, I think their offseason was generally good. Like, I think Rick did it, like, this sounds, and I don't mean to be backhanded here, but Rick did a pretty good job of fishing himself out of a mm-hmm. uh, a drowning that was his own doing in many ways, right? Because, but again, like like you said, Miles, and they used – it seems like every every other year they sort of like transition from using the draft or free agency to bail themselves out of whether it be bad decisions or I think bad process. So for example, the Darashaw pick, like I like the Darashaw pick. I think it was probably the third best thing they could have done. And and so I'm not gonna give the Darashaw pick a lot of flack, but the fact of the matter is the Darashaw pick was a shove your chips into the middle at left tackle because you got so far up against the cap last year that you had to piss off a left tackle who, yeah, I don't think is the greatest guy in the world, probably a 40th percentile left tackle. But the 40th percentile left tackle is sort of what you would expect a healthy rookie first-round pick guy who's taken at pick 20 is going to give you. And and so you exchange one relatively known commodity – for a unknown commodity and and but you place the same amount of expectations on that player mm-hmm. I think that's a bad process I think and, and and you know the draft foibles that they've had ha- and again I'm not even like I don't think they should be ripped at all for for uh, Gladney that ha- that shit happens right like you take a guy and something bad happens but then you gotta basically say look uh, Brashad Breeland, you're matched one-on-one with Tyreek Hill tonight. Like, like that kind of stuff is, is, again, like, it's part of, you know, the the negativity that I sometimes have, which is when your margins are so thin, these things get exposed. And I think reasonable people, like the four of us, can say, well, the, the, the Brashad Breeland thing, you can't expect him to do this. Well, it's like, but you had you put yourself in a position to have to expect him to do this because of the decisions you've made. And and to me, I guess like you don't get a pass in those in those circumstances, in my opinion. Again, like that that's kind of where I stand on it. That but you know, things could everything could land correctly again. And I think as Nick said, if things land correctly, they're probably a good team. I, I just I'm a little skeptical that it can all do it. So Raymond just said, and I want to get Nick in on this point, because this is a point that Nick has made on a couple of occasions. He's like, we brought in good players. So, like, what's the problem? What are we really complaining about if we think the players they brought in are good players? Um, And so Miles and Eric have both kind of, in a way, uh, attacked the idea that the Vikings are scooping up such great value in free agency and that, like, because they're getting such great value, they're obviously really shrewd, uh, like, forward-thinking sort of moves. And, Nick, sometimes I feel like maybe you're on the opposite side of that. Uh, On the opposite side, like, where you're like, hey, they're bringing in good players for not a lot of money. Why is that bad? I guess, Nick, could you maybe give your perspective in a little bit more detail on why maybe you're not so down on some of these players that are, are brought in um, at discount rates who maybe have a bit of upside? Yeah, I mean, and I think we agree the Vikings have had done a, done a good job in free agency. And, you know, it's, it's, it's smart to bring in Everson Griffin as a, as for veteran minimum. That's essentially free when you consider he's replacing somebody else on the cap. And, you know, he's probably better than most backup rotational pass rushers, um, even now at what, 34 years old, little out of, little out of, uh, out of, um, shape, but, um, guys like DD Westbrook, guys like, um, 
you know, all the you know, Sheldon Richardson for $3 million. That's a steal. Um, it's not going to win or lose you any games, I don't think. But um, and that's really what it comes down to is at, at the point where you're you're constructing an entire secondary out of free agents, which is what the Vikings have done. It's Harrison Smith and four free agents, uh, Patrick Peterson, Bashad Breeland, Mackenzie Alexander and Xavier Woods. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's that's an interesting way to go about it. Um, but I don't know if you necessarily can build a good secondary out of cast offs from other teams. That's the, that's the problem with it. So I think they're good. They're good moves, but you, it, it puts a lot more on the homegrown talent to be able to carry veteran free agents who um, almost by definition are, you know, somebody who, you know, they, they didn't fit in with another team. Now you can build a good team, a good secondary out of, um, you know, uh, free agents. I think we, we saw 2015 Broncos probably maybe the best example of it, but um, you're, you're kind of banking on a lot of things to go right. And that's kind of the, the, the tricky situation the Vikings are in. So, I mean, these, these moves are good, um, but do they get the Vikings, you know, over the, the hump of winning playoff games? I, I mean, I don't know. It, it's probably not up to Patrick Peterson. It's probably more up to how good can Daniil Hunter be? How good can Justin Jefferson be? Um, so we'll see. It's, yeah, it's that, the same job, but also, a... yeah, ahead, real quick, Eric, real quick. Yeah, so so for me, I, this is a band. It's a band-aid move to, to help save jobs. We know that. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious at this point because this is where, in my opinion, we should be raising our expectations for what this team should be this year. You have all these one-year rentals, and and this you have no plan for 2022 essentially besides some of the the current um, players that they have under under contract. Otherwise, the rest of the one-year rentals are they could be gone. Who knows what what will happen but the cap situation doesn't look great. So our expectations for this team should be high. It should be a, we should be, there, there shouldn't be a question about making the playoffs. This should be a playoff team. There shouldn't be a wavering idea that, ah, oh, maybe they'll teeter their way into the playoffs. No, no, no. They should be a firm playoff team based off what they put in front of themselves and, and for how they've decided that they need to rebuild this roster quickly. And so yet to, to Nick's point, I'm not saying that that means that I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but for me, expectations and if I was the Wilfs expectations shouldn't just be make the playoffs and whatever happens happens it should be we need to make a deep playoff run and then we'll reconsider what we need to do moving forward because you guys decided that I need to shell out they show how much they show that over 40 million dollars in in, in in like new money this year this offseason and they have all that dead cap money as well so the Wilfs are looking they're like well that's all that money coming from my pockets I need to see something from it so, so for me, that's why, I, in my opinion, we seem to raise those expectations because this is a this is a band aid a band aid solution that they're putting on themselves for themselves. So, well, and and the and the thing is, is you're right about ownership, and I think that that's one of the things that we're sort of more awake to now, which is the salary cap is real. It, you know, you can get around the salary cap with any one deal. I think that's that's kind of the, the nuance of it is like if you want any one player, you can figure out a way, right? It's, you know, I think Jadavion Clowney of the Saints last year was the only time where a team was literally prohibited from signing a player because they had no space, right? You can figure it out. But it comes at a cost, right? Like it comes at a cost to ownership. I, I talk about this with – um I messaged somebody, a friend of mine who does contracts for a team. I'm like, hey, do you? Uh, what do you think of this player? And he goes, he goes, dude, we're under the cap, but we're 50 million over cash. We we're already spending 50 million. We've already spent 50 million dollars above and beyond what the cap number is because we had to move money around. You have to escrow that money, and and like there. And if I'm ownership, again, I don't have billions of dollars, but if I'm ownership. And you're going to make me escrow an additional fifty million dollars in the season. I want results, man, and I want you know, and mm -hmm. I and you know, for some teams, like I think this is going to be a nice year because people are going to be excited about the Vikings. They'll go to the stadium. The stadium is where you can get an edge because you the the sales of merchandise and stuff are yours, unlike every everything else, which is profit sharing. But you know, I think the Wills look down the pike and they say, "Oh my goodness." We're going to we're going to see a forty five million dollar cap charge to Cousins, and you're telling me that all these guys I just spent money on are great, but they're all one year deals. So what happens when they're great?
come to the table and ask for three years, 30 million, right? Because he, Xavier Woods isn't that much different than John Johnson. He's maybe like 10% worse. So if he comes to Minnesota and plays really well, he's going to come to the table and ask for more. Like that's the, everybody says, well, like what's the risk of these one-year deals? That's the risk. If you actually are good. And let's say, let's say that they're, they have a season a lot like 2019 where they're good, but there's a clear distance between them and the Super Bowl teams. It's still going to be broken up, right? Because you're still, you're not going to be able to keep all these guys and you're still going to require the draft picks that Spielman spent over the last three years, like I think it's 38, if I remember the number correctly, you're still going to need some of those to land. And I'm skeptical of that happening. Well, and Raymond, right. to We're your point, gears. I mean, oh yeah, go yeah. ahead, go ahead, Miles. Well, no, just just to Raymond's point, like, yes, they're good players. I don't think we're we're not disputing that. We're just talking about the the questioning the process. But I agree, like, this should be a playoff team. I I, I don't think this should be a borderline playoff team, though. This should be a playoff team. The NFC's wide open. There's no excuse. You have a you have a stable. You, we were always told you have stability at quarterback. That's the biggest. That's the biggest need the Vikings have had in a long time. They have stability at quarterback. They have playmakers. You know, they have uh, a good overall defense. This should be a, a good football team. I'm not trying to question that. It should be a good football team. It's just there's the margin for error is, is razor thin. It's razor thin. There isn't much you can like one like Zim even said it. One injury to like seven or eight positions, and you're almost not screwed, but you're essentially in a really shitty situation. And that in itself is not a fun situation that you want to be in. Why don't y'all get mad at, at why don't y'all get mad when Zim say, says it? Eric says it and he's super right. pessimistic. Zim says it and it's no big deal. But I want to switch gears a little bit because we're like, you know, we're we're a bit into the show now, and there is actually a game for us to talk about. And yep. it's it's actually a weird thing. It's something I haven't seen in a while. But Bengals fans are like talking shit. Like with their whole <laughs> chest too. Like talking shit. Like for real. <laughs> Eric. You you live in the hood. I live here. What is going here. on? Where is the confidence coming from from these Cincinnati fans when they feel like they can put out tweets like, "If you look at the Vikings, don't look at the Vikings roster too closely. You might get your hopes up." Like, are they looking at their own roster? I'm confused. Help me out. Where did this confidence come from? Yeah, you guys. I, I'm I'm painted as the negative person here. I I've I'm on Minnesota this week. I'm on under two. Like, I think this game is going to be like 24-10 or something. Like, I, I feel like that's how this is going to go. Zim would, love, Zim would love that. Zim would, I mean, dude, Zim would swell up so much if he saw 24-10. Um, <laughs> I, I, but like, sorry. Um, but I actually, so look, I actually think the Bengals have a chance. It's much more like, like think about COVID. Okay. The Vikings are like regular COVID. Okay. The Bengals are like a breakout case, like a, uh, you know, they're, they're a breakout case, right? Like if the low, <laughs> the chances are low, but I do think like if things land for the Bengals, they can fuck shit up. Like I, you know, cause, cause they have, you know, Tyler Boyd's one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, T Higgins was great last year. And as much as Jamar Chase sucked in the preseason, like, uh, you know, aggressively so, he, he's, he's the top five pick in the draft. And he's, you know, and Joe Burrow is a nice quarterback. I, I, Joe Burrow is sort of like almost the exact opposite of what Kirk is. Like, I think Kirk is way more talented arm-wise. And, and, but he doesn't have like the swagger, I guess. Whereas I think Burrow's got the swagger a little bit, but he's he can't throw the deep ball. It's kind of weird. So... And you look at that defense, like they're losing Trey Waynes this week, which isn't great. But you actually look at their secondary, and their secondary is low-key kind of like the Vikings, where like no one is that good in that secondary, but they don't have like somebody who you point at and you're like, well, actually, Jesse Bates is very good, sorry. But like it's Jesse Bates and a bunch of corners where you're like, oh, if that guy plays okay and all four other guys play okay, they could be decent. Where I think the Vikings have a humongous edge in this game is like the Bengals are actually going to be pretty good against multiple wide receiver teams because they have they're deep in the secondary. 
the Vikings are going to put all three linebackers on the field for for Cincinnati. And like, this is the second time I've used this joke today on air, but like I could get open against them. And, and I think that that's like one of the places where like speaking truthfully, like I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to hang with the Vikings in between the hash marks cook. uh, It's it's a shame that Irv Smith is injured, but like cook is specifically the one where if I'm Minnesota, I'm singling him up on the schmucks that play linebacker for the Bengals. Cause I actually think the Bengals are decent in the front four. They're decent in the back six, let's say, if you count the secondary. But the linebacker level, they're terrible. And like I, I think that the Vikings could take advantage of them. And then I think on the offensive side of the ball, like or, you know, on on that side, like it's it might take a while for Burrow to come back from the injury. I think the Vikings are catching the Bengals at the right time in this case. So the offensive line, but for the Vikings, we talk about it all the time. Uh Nick, based on what you've seen in this preseason and based on this matchup that we have with the Bengals, what are you expecting to see from the Vikings offensive line? Like Eric said, we should be able to run the ball. How do you expect the Vikings to hold up in passing situations? Yeah, the Bengals have an interesting defensive line. I think they're probably a little bit better against the run. They can probably go five stout guys. I mean, DJ Reader is a pretty good nose tackle. Um, Trey Hendrickson is, you know, against Rashad Hill. That's not a matchup that favors the Vikings. Um, uh, but, you know, I think Brian O'Neill uh, will, will be fine. I think, um, you, you know, if they can, if they, they, the Vikings want to be a wide zone team, and if they can reach their guys at the first level, uh, like Eric said, these linebackers aren't good. They're going to get explosives on the ground if they can just find a hole and get through it. So um, I do think, you know, the Bengals have a number of uh, solid pass rushers. There's nobody who, like, really scares me. Um, and that's probably point towards the Vikings just because, um, you know, the, the Vikings probably would be worse off facing somebody who, like, had one really, you know, an Aaron Donald. Um, I'm not sure what they would do with that. So I, I do think um, – you know, I think I'm excited to see. You know, are we going to see a, a leap from Garrett Bradbury? Are we going to see Ezra Cleveland? You know, now he's got a full season to, to a full camp. He's back on the left side where he played in college. Maybe he can he can progress a little bit. These guys are thing about this offense is it's still really young. It's the youngest offense in the NFL right now. So um, it's it's got some good players and it's there's some reason to expect progression from I think Bradbury, Cleveland, Ole Udo. Um, even even Brian O'Neill is still technically on his rookie contract. So um, I, I think it'll be uh, – I, I think the Vikings are actually – this will be one of the few games where the Vikings look better in the trenches, I think, on both sides. So uh, Yeah. We'll How much stock do you put into uh, Bradbury's uh, – I think it was 81, 81.6 pass blocking grade in the preseason? Like are, is, is, are, are, we feeling, are we feeling like actually confident about that, Nick? Because I know that you – you you've been you've been a staunch Bradbury defender in here when I've been been throwing dirt on his name uh, because of what he can do in the run game. Do we feel like maybe what we see in the preseason is enough to be excited about what might happen this season or too few snaps? You know, too, yeah. Go ahead. The guy who's been most impressive in camp has been Daniil Hunter and Justin Jefferson, but after those two guys, the guy who's been getting the most buzz is Michael Pierce. And a big reason why is because Michael Pierce one-on-one matches up against Garrett Bradbury and guess who's winning that one. Um, so, you know, I think Bradbury, he's, he's got short arms, which is part of why he's, he's a center, but like, even for a center, he's got short arms that just gives him like a narrow window. Like if he, if, if you're up against a Linval Joseph, this like just giant hulking dude, you know, boxer arms just, and can beat you to the punch and can just run right through you. Um, it's tough to it's tough to survive one on one and pass protection. I don't think Bradbury. I do think he's better, and I do think it sounds like he's improved marginally. But you know, marginal improvement, you got to set expectations. You know, is he going to be an elite pass protector? I don't think he'll ever be an elite pass protector. Could he be like an adequate guy who's not going to embarrass himself on the rare occasions that? And you know, you ask, you mentioned I'm I'm a Bradbury defender. Well, one of the reasons is that um, you know, so long as centers are like adequate pass protectors. It's one of the rare positions where, like, they might be better off. Um, they might be better off being good run blockers than pass blockers, just because most of the time a center is going to be double teaming a nose tackle. Um, most of the time in the run game, especially in like a Vikings wide zone scheme, they're tasked with some of the hardest reach blocks, scoop blocks, second level blocks. 
um, because they have to snap the ball, get off, and then get off to some guy, usually a shade or a shade and a half away. So um, it's, it's, it's tough, and I think that Bradbury will still bring value. It sounds like from camp he's improved. Um, he's in the third year where we expect guys to take a leap. That's when Jason Kelsey took a leap. That's when Ryan Khalil took a leap. Uh, I don't think Bradbury's, you know, deserves to be in the conversation with those guys at all or anything, but like, this is the year where we can start to see some, some improvement. And it does sound like he's trending in the right direction, even if, you know, I'm not going to label him a pro bowl or anything just yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think this will be a good test for him. Right. Cause like, you know, I, I like to sort of bring, how other teams are talking about their players talking about Minnesota, like Bengals fans think the same way about DJ reader and Larry Ogunjobi, the way that the Vikings fans think of Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce, whether that's correct or not. I do think like Ogunjobi has been a pretty good interior pass rusher for the Browns. Um, from what I can remember, I, I don't have his stats in front of me and, and DJ reader was a very well regarded uh, free agent pickup last year. I believe he, he opted out or was injured last season. So, like, th- it's going to be a good test for them. But I, I do think Nick's right. Like, I think in the trenches on both sides of the ball, this will be a game where they have a decided advantage. Um, and, in fact, week two is probably another one. Um, it, it, Watt and, and Chandler Jones are great, but, like, that's just two guys. So, um, yeah, th- th- this will be a good test for him. And it'll be – It'll be a good test for the Vikings. Like, I think, like, again, this is a situation where if they can get through, like, this first part here, find a five that works for them, like, that has been the formula for them in the in the odd good Zimmer years, right? In the, in the even bad Zimmer years, it's the rotating stuff, right? It's the nonsense stuff. And because in 17, it was mostly the same guys starting every game. Not every one of them was actually that good, but it was the continuity. It was the, it was the quarterback controlling the pressure rate in 19. It was something of an easy schedule, but also an offensive line that gelled together. That's a little bit of a worrisome thing with, with Derrishaw and and Davis on the bench right now, but you know, hopefully, you know, over time they can sort of meld that together. Are we worried at all about like you know Miles and Eric have both mentioned it? The uh, like is there? I guess let me ask it a different way. Miles, as you look at this, and I know you talked about it a little bit, can you maybe go a little bit deeper on like what makes you nervous about how the Vikings match up with this Bengals team? Because like you said, when we think the Bengals, we tend to think like just trash, like they're terrible, they're awful. But when you go and look at like the actual matchup and and kind of compare some of the PFF grades. It isn't as wide a gap as you'd expect maybe mm-hmm. when you look at the Bengals' offensive players versus many places on the Vikings' defense. So, like, as you're looking at this, is there anything that makes you a little nervous about this matchup and how it could go down um, maybe in favor of the Bengals? I mean, the only two things for me would be, like I said earlier, their weapons, their wide receivers, and, and Joe Mixon in the pass game. Um, Eric Hendricks is obviously is arguably one of the is the best um, off ball linebacker in football, or one of the best off ball linebackers in football. But um, Mixon's really good in the pass game. Um, but then you also talk about the three receivers they already have. Um, the only benefit, in my opinion, that they have is well, Chase is a is considered a burner. We haven't seen it yet, but like I think the Vikings cornerbacks actually match up pretty well against the three because I don't think they're as worried about the the, the deep speed as you would be uh, from some other teams, from all three receivers. So I think that's a, a positive for the Vikings, but all three receivers are still really good. And so that in itself, like if you give up a couple big plays to these guys and you start, and you start letting the Bengals open things up, uh, that would worry me. I mean, if the, if the DBs just kind of shit the bed and, you know, and don't show up, which very well could happen. Again, we don't, we don't fully know what to expect from the cornerbacks. I mean, I think we all have an idea of what they're going to be, but we don't fully know because we haven't seen them uh, completely. Um, so this is the this is a good test just because they do have good weapons. But um, that would be one. And, yeah, I think from a defensive side of the ball, I mean, if if DJ Reader and um, Larry Ogunjobi really decide to uh, – and, and Trey Hendrickson gets at – they get after, uh, you know, Rashad Hill and Ezra Cleveland and, and Garrett Bradbury, then that's a, that's a concern. Um, I don't expect it, but that would be the other area I'd be – a little worried about and because if, if they can get after the Vikings in full rushing four, um, then they're just going to focus all their attention on Adam Thielen and uh, Justin Jefferson. And again, what, what I've mentioned a lot is 
who's that third option now? Can Tyler Conklin be that guy? Can he step up and become that guy? Does D.D. Westbrook or Amir Smith-Marset or K.J. Osborne, do they step up? Can they use Dalvin Cook in the pass game more, uh, which we haven't really seen? Um, I don't know. We, we don't know who that third guy could be. I mean, you, you kind of expect it to be Conklin at this point, um, but, you know, you never know. Well, and that's that's the real hard part for Minnesota now, right, is that, you know, you could always, when you defended the Vikings with, you know, the third option thing, you could always say, well, Irv Smith's a, uh, an up-and-coming athlete. He could play in the slot. He could move yep. around. Yep. And, like, and I, look, Herndon is a player who maybe has that potential. I get a little worried because the guy straight up disappeared, but you can almost sort of, like, look, like, if you want to throw out all the data points for any player that ever played for Adam Gase, like, I could almost I could almost understand. So <laughs> I, I'm going to reserve judgment. I do think they paid a lot of draft capital for the guy. Like, Jesus, yeah. that, was a, that was a pretty big trade. Um, but it was always, okay, yeah, sure, but they have two wide receivers, but you can squint, and Dalvin comes out of the backfield, and – uh, you know, and you have Irv Smith, who's a great athlete. And I think Irv Smith was primed for a good year. Um, it was a guy that I thought that could have been decent. The The issue is, is that Dalvin, Dalvin's a great screen back. He's a great mm-hmm. dump off back. He's not like, and, and again, this is a very high bar, but he's not a Marshall Falk who line up at X and like beat a corner on no. a route. So they like try, it, it's they not. They tried that in 2018 and there's a reason it didn't work. He doesn't. That's exactly. Not so. Set. So, so it's the Vikings do unequivocally need somebody in that subset of players you mentioned, Miles, to step up and be a third wide receiver. And that if they if they were to would have gone out and traded uh, some serious draft capital for a player like that, I would not have been upset. I think it's that important for them. It's not going to be a big deal in this game. It might not even be a big deal against Arizona. Can't cover five dollar check, but like. <laughs> Down the stretch, when they have to, when they have to score thirty points against teams, and and go score for score, and they're not able to control tempo with play action and, and running running the football and stuff. I think we're going to see it. And like again, I think that just the way they run offense significantly raises the floor for what the cousin signing looks like, but it significantly dampens the ceiling. And I, and that's where I get worried is is exactly what you're describing, Miles, which is the third receiver. Oh, no. Nick, Eric said it. He talked about ceilings again as you go in. <laughs> and it's something that we've talked about without you here. So, like, you know, you're back and, and, and you can you can defend your take and maybe give us your, your thoughts on this. But uh, Clint, you know, we haven't talked about him yet. First year offensive coordinator, first real game that he's going to be playing in. What are we thinking about? What are we expecting for him as we roll into the season? Are we nervous? Are we excited? Like, what are your thoughts on what we're going to see? And is it going to be any different? Maybe do you think maybe things might open up a little bit more uh, under the younger Kubiak than maybe the, uh, the Kubiak that we had before? Yeah, well, if the preseason is any indication, and it might not be, you know, for some coaches it is, um, you know, they kind of just run their, their, their standard playbook. For others, they make a concerted attempt to not give away any secrets in the preseason. Um, you can only go so far with that because like, it's still, you're still calling your offense. You're not going to make up new plays that your guys haven't practiced. That would defeat the purpose of the preseason. Um, but from what we've seen from the preseason, it looks a lot like last year's offense, which is what we were told. It was part of the reason they liked hiring uh, Clint Kubiak is, you know, continuity, keeping things the same way. They like this wide zone scheme. They like what it does with Delvin and the offensive line. They like the explosives it sets up in the passing game. Um, we, we saw still a lot of um, a lot of running, run heaviness, a lot of runs on second and longs and second and very longs in some instances, uh, which you hate to see. Um, maybe we'll see that carry forward into the regular season. I do think uh, we saw some interesting wrinkles that that Clint Kubiak added. There were some uh, in the run game. They that we saw a little bit more pre-snap motion, jet motion, orbit motion. Um, that's fun to see. I think we saw a lot more um sort of it's important with, too nick uh, yeah yeah and it's so easy to incorporate in in this you know look at what mcveigh and shanahan do with it um or lafleur 
uh, has done with it. And in recent years with this wide zone scheme, it just opens up a whole other level to your defense. It does so many mm-hmm. things. You can hand it off and get one of your best players, you know, hand, get if you want to get Justin Jefferson touches because of how good he is, jet motion is a great way to do it. Just hand the ball off to him, and then they have to respect it the rest of the game. So um, they're adding new wrinkles. We'll see if those translate necessarily um, into points, into offensive production. I do think the wide zone scheme is pretty foolproof just because – um, I look at everybody else who runs it. It's all good offenses. It's the Browns, Packers, 49ers, Rams, Titans. You don't necessarily need like studs to, 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 to have a, an efficient offense with it. And that's part of the reason why it's taking, you know, Seahawks are going to run it now. It's taking the NFL by storm. So um, I, I think the, the foundation is, is there and good enough to be like this offense should be competent. Um, but you know, you really kind of need a, a Kevin Stefanski or you need like a little bit of Kyle Shanahan if you want this offense to take the next step, which, um, you know, that's kind of what we're hoping for. So we'll see if it gets there. Um, we, we saw it with Stefanski. We did not see it with John DiFilippo. Uh, we'll see where on that spectrum Clint Kubiak goes. Yeah. Do you guys feel like I was talking about this with, uh, I think it was like Mackie and, and Judd the other day. It was like, uh, Part of the reason that Zimmer doesn't get along with with Kirk is this like this going back and forth between in 18, they ran an offense that I think a superstar quarterback could have had success with. Right. The Tom Brady run, spread the field out, distribute the ball, win with efficiency, don't make mistakes. And like. But there's a small subset of QBs who can who can succeed there, and especially so when things go badly. And I think Mike was like, okay, we paid you all this money. I just want to get you down the middle offensive coordinator. And I don't want to have to give a sh- I don't want to have to give a shit about about making the world comfortable for you, Kirk. And that sort of blew up in his face. So then the last two seasons to their credit, I think, but also I think lowering the, the ceiling is they've gotten Kirk a very quarterback friendly offense, obviously, except for offensive line personnel. But we all agree that like they smashed a lot of the easy buttons the last two years and have made life easier on Kirk. But they've also accentuated the things that Kirk does well. And he's a good quarterback. I put him as eighth, by the way, ordinal rankings. Um, And. And I think Mike now resents him for that too, right? Because they've essentially poured resources into the offense to sort of make him happier or to make Kirk better. And so now we're at, we're in year four and we're, and we're like, okay, well, you were supposed to be this superstar guy that we didn't have to worry about. Then you had to be a guy that took resources away from my defense for two years. And now you're a guy who won't get the GD Vax. And it's just like, is this the leak that's in this like team where it's like that that like sort of us versus them mentality that might that might hurt them? Even though like again, like I think they're coming backwards. They're coming back to it. You know, Stefanski was brilliant, coach of the year. Kubiak is a guy who, who appeared in seven Super Bowls, player coach. And now they're like they go back to sort of the DeFilippo, which it's like we're going to get just the next guy to be offensive coordinator here. I, to me, I, I worry about that transition. No one else is worried. Uh, yeah, Jason's I've been worried. Mute. Jason's on mute. Jason's um, on mute, though. Jason's yeah, still can't understand Jason. Jason's the coolest. Um, I'm over here just like screaming into the void because Eric has me so shook. Uh, but like, yeah, I think that that's obviously a big concern. But like, as we're we're kind of we're we're getting close to the hour, I guess getting into this first part of the season and like some people have said it here, like Raymond has brought it up. Is there anything the team can do? in this game that will drastically change your opinion of what this team is or isn't like if they go out there and light the Bengals up on offense, throw the ball all Mm. over the field. Cousins looks great. He doesn't have the slow start that maybe he's had in some other seasons. Does that at all change the perception for the people sitting here or is it like, yeah, it's the Bengals. So like, you know, it's kind of an is what it is. Like, is there anything that can happen here that would drastically, not drastically, maybe uh, substantially change 
your thoughts on what the Vikings can do as we kind of look forward a couple of seasons. And Miles, you so politely put your hand up. So like, I'll go to you first on this one. <laughs> uh, so, so for me, like if they were to go, go out and do kind of what we said, uh, you know, 35, 14 pass for 300, three, three plus touchdowns. Cook goes for 120 plus two touchdowns. Like those types of things for me, I don't think it changes the outcome of the entire season, but I think what it does is it helps provide a layer of, into this offense and the overall team that we're still confused about, that we're still unsure about that we haven't seen because we haven't seen them in, in its totality for this season. So um, them being able to come together and have a game like that for week one, no, it might not change the entire season, but that would be a really good start for what they need to continue to roll the train going because we honestly, because of the ra- the raise within margins, this team needs a game where they blow out a, a team like the Bengals because they're better than the Bengals. So if they can go out and prove that and stamp that, I think that just goes a long way for the overall team in itself. Nick? Yeah. Anything that happens that uh, that switches it up? I don't know. I mean, this this Bengals team and this matchup kind of reminds me a little bit of when the Vikings played the Falcons back in 2019, I think it was, where it's a team that – and, and we saw how that game went. It was like the Vikings cruised their way to a victory. Kirk had like 15 pass attempts because like, you know, they, they got up early and then they just could run the ball out. And this is, you know, this is a defense that wants to play single high because Von Bell is better in the box and Jesse Bates is, is better as a, as a roaming free safety. Um, and they want to load up the box and they want to try and stop the run with their stout run defenders. And their front seven is better run defending than, than rushing the passer. And so I think that's a that's a matchup that favors the Vikings. And I feel like if the Vikings do what they want to do on offense, um, they should be able to to put up points on this Bengals defense, especially, you know, when the starting outside cornerbacks are Chidobe Awuze and Eli Apple. Like, you know, if there were ever a matchup where Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen were ready to feast it's against these guys, this is probably... That's probably the softest matchup they'll see all year. So um, this is this is it shouldn't take a lot of effort necessarily. I mean, they play Arizona next week, but yeah, yeah it's, close. <laughs> it's close. Now, it's close. It's close. We are. If Kirk starts slow this year, there will be no excuses. I'm on. Hundred percent. These corners are so bad. So Kirk they were, them? they were they were four and a half point favorites in that game. They're three three and a half point favorites in this game. So it's a very similar sort of expectation. I, I don't think anybody anybody who's reasonable doesn't think the Bengals could win this game. Like, I think they're 40-60. And like, I, I tweeted this out today, and again, it's just like part of the, the shtick, I guess, which is like it's a hard – it's a tough game as a Vikings fan because there's not a whole lot that can happen here that could make you overly happy about this game. Like if they blow out the Bengals – Again, I'm not trying to be a dick, but it's probably because the Bengals suck and like and they're just taking advantage of it. I actually, if you're if you want the perfect scenario for the Vikings, it's that Burrow plays like a legitimately great game and they still outduel the Bengals. And and like and it's sort of like a go, you know, we're we're you know, like last season there was a game like when Herbert started his first game. It was like this random game, and he comes off and he plays great. And, and he's like, he's got bullets everywhere and like he's attacking. I think it was the Chiefs or the New Orleans Saints. And New Orleans just came back and won the game. And it was like, oh, that felt kind of good because this young quarterback gave, gave us everything we got and we still won. I do think that to me, if you're, if you're a Vikings fan and you want like the best game, it's Burrow comes out and plays a fantastic game and you still beat him. Like I, I think that's the, that, that would be a great, a great thing, both for the league but also for Minnesota. Yeah. All right, so and no Eric, shade, no uh, shade to Arizona. Just, just having fun. I like Byron Murphy too, by the way. Just, just he's the slot like, guy, though. He's their inside guy. Yes, he is. Uh, yeah. You know what's his face? Malcolm Butler just said, "I'm out." You know, and like he was, he pieced out on the. They they lost Patrick to the Vikings, and they I think Robert Alford's one of their other corners, and he hasn't played in two years. So yeah, he hasn't played two um, years. It, it's yeah. gonna get. I, I like again. The Vikings have a decent path to two and zero for sure. So, uh, Eric, twenty four ten Vikings. Is that? Are you locking that in? Is that where you're at with this one? Oh, Give man. me your uh, your prediction for how it's going down. Let's go twenty seven thirteen. I'll give Burrow three scoring drives. 
All right. <laughs> Nick, where are you at with it? Yeah, I think that I think the Bengals are gonna move the ball. They've got too many weapons not to. Um and I don't I have I have more trust in like Tyler Boyd or um, Jamar Chase or, you know, those what Joe Mixon and what they want to do on offense um, than I do in Bashad Breland and Mackenzie Alexander, who are, or Patrick Peterson, who I think, you know, can be solid, but I'm not necessarily expecting much more than that um, just yet. So, you know, I think, but then, I, you know, I think they'll clamp down in the red zone, like Zimmer's always done. Um, so I, I think the Vikings, it'll be a relatively cruise control victory for the Vikings, say, um, I don't know, 24 to, to, 16 or something you know they'll they'll have a bunch of scoring drives but they'll only knock it in maybe once so all right miles bring me home here what, what are you thinking how's it going is this close is it a blowout what's your prediction for how this one goes down as long as they don't have to rely on their kicker to win them the game i think it'll be okay <laughs> um which is still a big question mark um but for me i think it'll be like 27 17 something like that i think to, to nick's point i think they'll They'll have some drives off, some good drives the Bengals will, but uh, Zimmer will do a pretty good job of making sure they don't uh, get in the end zone too often. Well, there it is. After all that negativity, we're all cruising to victory. I think it is. After one all thing, of that, hey, one, boom, boom, boom. One thing I want – yeah, the one positive about all the one-year deals is if the Vikings season goes sideways, they have a lot of trade chips that they can send off to teams. So there's that. Bashad Breeland – so here's my here's – a, here's a prediction I have. If, if the season goes sideways – Rashad Breland's getting traded back to Kansas City. For who? Mike Hughes? <laughs> too soon? Like, like I, look, I'm a Chiefs Blonde, Bobo, Blonde, but like, who, who's, a sa- who's a safety? Who's a safety for the Chiefs that they don't care about? Oh, Thornhill? I mean, Thornhill would be a good piece for the Vikings, I feel like. But, yeah. yeah. Um, the Chiefs have done a great job of picking up – failed or injured or in the case yeah. of DeAndre Baker, I don't know what the f- hell first round picks that like they stash on the bench that end up being decent players. Um, you know, Mike Hughes, it, Mike it Hughes is going to be good too. I just, I just know it. Mike, yeah. you, you need Mike Hughes to, to be good, but that's it. We're not going down the Mike do. Hughes rabbit hole. We're not going down there. <laughs> Eric, Nick, Miles, thanks for coming on. Raymond, Seth, Oh, man, we got some new folks in here. We got, got Freddie back. A lot of concurrence. Thanks, guys. Yes. Yeah, what up? What up, what up? Thanks for coming on. Thanks for chatting. Thanks for hanging with us. And uh, that's it. That's all. David, where you at? Did David Did David tell us he was going to get a drink? Let me check the chat. <laughs> no, David's here. His camera's frozen. Oh, oh okay. Uh, well, talk so to the people, David. Well, this has been a great show. I love a little bit of controversy. Love a little realism. Love a little optimism. Especially from Nick. Tomorrow night, we continue with Vikings Happy Hour. And we want all of you to join us. And until then, as always, Skull! Play the music, Dave. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climb in the Pocket. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.